know what that means? Everything. Anglo-thieves. Gettle's gone. Oh my god, you people have just failed me. Failed me utterly. Congratulations, Scotland. We have just gone so I hear an awful lot of judgment in your voice. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 58. Is that what we decided? It's 58? Literally Shit. 30 seconds ago. Literally 30 seconds ago. <laughs> Just went over this. And it's episode 58 of Anglophies. And the Emmy nominations came out, and we have some things to say. Some of those things are not yawn, but a lot of those things are yawn. Hi, I'm Raiden. I'm Alina. And I'm Kaylee. And it's summer, and in Boston it is cold and gray, which makes me sad. It was cold and gray here in Toronto this week, but it's actually quite nice right now. Scotland might be having the nicest weather of us all at this moment. She just shut the window because it was a bit drafty. Yeah, today's actually pretty terrible. Well, there you go. Uh, Kaylee, do you have some news that you would like to share with the class? Do I? Do. Wait, what's the news? You're, you're going to get your master's. Oh, oh okay, sorry. Oh, what was like that? No, that, that, that. I yes, that's news. Yeah, uh, I'm going back to university in September to do my master's degree in film studies. Hey, remember when we started this podcast and I was also supposed to be going back to university then? Ah, fun times. <laughs> but it's actually happening this time. Like, it's legit actually happening this time. <laughs> Knock on wood. Knock on wood. So that's good. <laughs> that's good. Also, you got a blue check mark on Twitter. I did, yeah. We are now I legit. Verified life. Yes, and you had a tweet liked by Skarsgård. Yeah, but it was Walter Skarsgård. So, well, I I know it was like the the least of the lesser Skarsgård. <laughs> no offense to him. <laughs> she gets a blue check mark, and now she's turning her nose up at some at Skarsgård. Yeah, she's like, no, you're not. You're not the right Skarsgård. <laughs> you're not the Emmy nominated. So my- so, see full circle. See what I did there. <laughs> it's been a very strange um, internet time for the past couple of days. Yeah, yeah, but that was a solid tweet. At least, like, if your phone was going to literally die, it was over a good tweet. Yeah, who would have thought that the uniting force our society needed was just Harrison Ford? Here's <laughs> Carrie Fisher bragging that she bagged that. <laughs> it's just universally understandable. I gotta say, that tweet did so well, and I got, like, surprisingly minimal, like, bullshit in the mentions over it. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that there was gonna be, you know, anytime any tweet goes pretty big, mm-hmm. you just have people filling your, your feed with, well, actually. And I, I got it a little bit, but nowhere near as much as I thought it would, considering the numbers. So. Right. I mean, how do you well actually Carrie Fisher got to bang Harrison Ford and told the world about it? Well, the the one I mostly got was, well, he was in his 30s. He wasn't that young, because I mentioned it was a young uh, Harrison Ford. But it's like, Harrison Ford is always in his prime. Yeah. Like, 
what? So that was fun. I'm guessing the person who wrote that tweet is like 20. (laughs) It's just strange embryo using Twitter. This reminds me of a story my mom never lets me forget because moms never let us live anything down when, uh, uh, when she decided to ask both her children if they consider her young. Uh, there's there's ten year difference between me and my brother. So uh, my brother said, yes, of course you're her mom. And I said, apparently, I was five years old. I said, well, mommy, not really that young. <laughs> oh, she was just like a year older than I am now. It's just... <laughs> Oh, never ask a question of a five-year-old you don't want an actually honest answer to. They don't know how to lie yet, or they don't know how to socially acceptably lie. (laughs) You know? She brought that on herself. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so the Emmy nominations happened. Game of Thrones was not eligible. For once. For once. So. But it's it, the season's coming soon, and. The, the, se- the season's coming tomorrow. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. yeah. Is it really the last season? No, I think it's the second last. Okay, that's what I thought, and then I saw someone going, oh, the last season premieres tomorrow, and I was like, I don't... Have have they actually officially confirmed that there's one more? I know they must have finished filming this one. I don't remember, because uh, a few months ago, I remember they were still kind of waffling on how, how to wrap it up, like how long to take. Mm. Um, I do know this season's going to be uh, only seven episodes, I believe, a bit shorter than normal. I think this may be because they broke the ending up into two seasons, but they didn't really have enough material left to stretch it to their full length, both of them. Mm-hmm. So we might get two shorter seasons to finish out the, the show. <sighs> Meanwhile, George Martin is adapting another writer's book for television. I think we can now just just confidently 100% say he's never finishing the book series. She's not happening. There's a theory uh, Joanna Robinson from Vanity Fair has put forward the theory that he has actually secretly finished them, which mm-hmm. I think is such beautifully wishful thinking. <laughs> like, I think this is going to go full Brandon Sanderson Wheel of Time. Yeah. Like, like come on. I just, he, I, I just can't see it going any other way. He was finishing the previously, like the last published book, he was finishing in his editor's office as she was literally ripping it out of his hands. <laughs> as the story goes. And he was going, no, one more rewrite. She was like, no, it's that. I have to get the production. So, I'm looking at the nominations. And I would say they're not surprises, but they're also somewhat... I'm surprised that there are no surprises. Like, I would have expected maybe that something would get snubbed and we'd be going, like, how dare they snub, like, The Handmaid's Tale or something like that. Oh, they were never going to snub that. But <laughs> <laughs> I think the the main surprise I have is that, and this is sort of a generalized surprise that this is us actually became a thing. Oh well, it's a network series, and it's really the first time we've had a major network drama kind of take off in a big way with the public since maybe The Good Wife. 
Yeah. And it's an is it an NBC show, so they're going to run that shit into the ground. Oh, definitely. Just like people are watching our network. What are we doing now? I go, I don't know what do we do. do? <laughs> because here's the thing: if you look at the at the networks for the outstanding drama nominations, it really does stand out because it's AMC, Netflix, Hulu, Netflix, Netflix, NBC, HBO. Yep. Like, how did you sneak in there? Yeah. Seriously, the ads when they started showing the ads. I have not watched This Is Us. I'm not going to because I don't just don't have time for this. It was like, oh, wow, my teeth hurt from the treacle. Yeah, that was my response too. There are a bunch of people in this show that I like. Mm-hmm. And I think Chrissy Mates seems like a really lovely person. And apparently she's very good in it. But I cannot get over the fact that, hey, you have a chance to show, you know, a fat woman on television with a life and interest. And like, no, her entire plot line is that she's fat. Yep. Like, she doesn't get to be a person. She's just fat. Yep. And obsessed with dying because, you know, you've never met someone over a size four in your life. Right. So, I, I mean, I haven't seen, like, I've, I've heard it's very well executed treacle, but it stands out like a sore thumb amidst the, the cable streaming prestige of that category. But the entire, I, honestly, just looking at all the nominees, it's this weird mixture of incredibly predictable and sort of desperate to chase the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. So something like, I really like Stranger Things. I don't think it's necessarily this deserving of the kind of near sweep of nominations it's got. And I don't think Westworld deserved to get in there. I think Westworld got in there because it's like, well, there's no Game of Thrones. What you else have is to on give HBO? HBO something. Well, what else is on HBO that's not The Leftovers? Because that would have been interesting. Mm. So yeah, there's just a strange kind of hodgepodge of meh. And that's not to say that they're all bad. I mean, now and then there are some good nominations. But then there's just so many moments where it's clear that they're falling back on what they know. Like, why the fuck is Modern Family still getting nominated? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I mean, we've we've had an attrition of the Modern Family acting nominations. There's only one this year, thank God. But still. So why don't we go for some of the categories and just, like, have our opinions shared. Um, let's start with... Let's go with Outstanding Comedy Series because it's the first on the Wikipedia page. There we go. Feel free to make noises of encouragement or dissatisfaction as I read them. The nominees are Atlanta. Yay. Yay. Blackish. Yes! It was so good this season! <laughs> uh, Master of None. Okay. Uh, Modern I Family. Think... Oh. I, okay, I have read a really funny comment. It might have been on Laney Gossip where it said people just forgot to erase Modern Family from the <laughs> <laughs> Well, they do that a lot with comedy. Like, Frasier was nominated for, like, the first eight years of its existence and won about four or five of them. But I liked Frasier a lot more than I liked Modern Family. Yeah. Um, Silicon Valley? No idea. Whatever. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Oh. I like that show. I do. And Veep. Ugh. Predictable. I mean, Veep is kind of predictable, and Veep is still a funny show, but it's nowhere near what it used to be. Nope. Like, it's much more joke-heavy now, because, uh, you know, Selena Meyer, who was vice president and then president, is no longer president. And they have no re- really not entirely sure how to keep her on the show and what to do with her. Mm-hmm. She still has some great one-liners, but, you know, there's just so much more that they could be doing with that show that, or, you know, maybe they has run its course, but the way that they're setting up the next season, it does feel like they're kind of returning to the bag of tricks um out of that 
the lesser nominations. Honestly, I don't watch a lot of comedy. It would be nice to see something a little off the beaten track win, which is why I think Atlanta might do very well. Because not only is it nominated for comedy, Donald Glover is nominated for directing and writing and starring. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like the one-man show, and they may want to just, you know, give him a nice... I mean, to award his efforts, and also just, you know, like, you know what, you, you, you got through Han Solo. Well done. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of surprised Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is nominated, just because I didn't really see a lot of chat about it for this season, except for, oh god, Tina Fey's got problems about campus culture, and she wants to talk about them. There was that, although the the episode where Titus Lemonades was fan-freaking-tastic. It was great. I wonder if the nominations... Look, I haven't watched Kim I stopped watching when the second season came out and there was that episode which was supposed to be like Tina's Faye response to the people who had a problem with what she did and just like, no, shut up, don't do that. She needs to stop doing that. Yeah, don't... It's very Aaron Sorkin-y. It's very Aaron Sorkin-y, and it did not, that did not work out well for him. I mean, I would imagine Tina Fey actually has quite a bit of clout in the industry. Well, yeah, I mean, they loved her on SNL, and also 30 Rock was an entire comedy show about the, the, the TV industry, mm-hmm. and they love that. So I think there is a lot of goodwill for her there, because mm-hmm. uh, her shows are never been necessarily that highly rated, although we don't really know about Kimmy Schmidt, because Netflix don't release viewer numbers. Mm-hmm. Right. Every now and then they tell us something's doing well and we just have to kind of assume that it is because we really don't have any evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm. Or they tell us something's doing poorly, cancel it, then we sign a petition and then we get a two-hour movie to wrap it up. Not bitter. Somebody's anything. still bitter. <laughs> Did you notice, Fo? Uh, Netflix, I wrote about this for Screen Run, actually. Netflix have cancelled more in like the past three months than they cancelled in the previous five years. Oh, I wonder if there's money trouble. Well, that's what I heard, was because their subscriber numbers are nowhere near increasing enough to justify the amount that they spend on shows. Like, the Get Down got cancelled. Right. Uh, and that allegedly cost, once they added marketing stuff on top, they allegedly cost about $190 million. Which is like, you know, DC superhero money once all the reshoots have come in. Yeah. You really can't justify it, especially since, you know, I only saw the pilot of The Get Down. I really enjoyed it, but no one was talking about The Get Down. It was good, but it wasn't great. And I think that Mm -hmm. in this age of peak TV, when you can turn on basically any channel and find some brand new prestige drama, people have got a lot less patience for something to stick around. Alan Zeppelinwell wrote about this for Up Rocks. It's like, I'm kind of bored and I have no more patience anymore to just be told, oh, well, it gets better after the fifth episode or whatever. So that is definitely, I think you see elements of that reflected here. The fact that the Netflix are doing so well um, it just because a lot of people will just leave Netflix running. Right. But also, you know, so they cancel all the really good shows, but are they still giving Adam Sandler money for his so-called movies? Well, Adam Sandler movies don't cost a lot of money to make, and stupid people really like Adam Sandler. Okay, that's cruel. Maybe, maybe smart people like Adam Sandler too, but like, th- th- that makes sense from a business point of view, because even when those movies were terrible and getting theatrical releases, they were still making money. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the world is a cruel place. Sometimes yes, you don't even need something good, you just need something that's decent enough to have on in the background while you fold your clothes and yep. you know sweep the floors. So is there anything in comedy series you'd like to see win? I mean, I'd like to see Blackish win. I'll take anything out of the modern family, I guess. <laughs> 
I think if they get lazy, they'll just vote for Veep again, especially because it's been a political year and they like that kind of prescience. But, you know. Yeah. And I'd like to see Atlanta win. If the industry master of non wins, I guess it and Atlanta are kind of in the same boat of being like a creator vision, kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think both of those would, would be an interesting win in that sense. Yeah, I think, I mean, the master of none backlash that's happening right now is not something that's really going to touch There's the Academy. There is, because it's been noted that. There's no Desi women in Aziz's life, like none. And this came up as the big, the big sick was getting buzz. And people were like, well, I'm really tired of these stories about Desi men who get with white women and the Desi women are ignored or used as a punchline. Which, I mean, in the big six case, like I get it. I get it. In the big six case, it's also Kumal and Emily's actual story. So there's a little like awkward tension there. I, I'm not explaining this well. But then people are like, but you also look at Master of None. And like he clearly made a deliberate choice not to include Desi women in his life at all. So... So there's a lot of, of Desi women on Twitter who are really frustrated by that trend. I feel very white. I don't know if I should be contributing to that conversation. Well, I <laughs> can we when I reviewed the big sick, I said, look, I know this conversation is happening. I feel completely unqualified to discuss it at all. Here are places where it's happening. I feel like that is the most responsible thing I can do. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think that those discussions are not going to affect the Academy one way, one direction or another. Yeah, there's no Emmy So White hashtag yet. Like, yeah. that hasn't been part of the conversation. Maybe it will one day. We'll see how these nominations roll out. They are generally a whole lot less white than movies tend to be, by the looks yeah. of it. Just because a lot more people are kind of migrating to TV creatively. So mm-hmm. we will see how that plays out. But then you look at something like, uh, I'm jumping ahead a little, the, the Variety Talk series category. Yeah. Where it's five dudes and Samantha B. Yep. And one of those dudes is Bill Maher. Yep. <laughs> like, I understand that I'm kind of like one of the, the big defenders of Trevor Noah, and I understand him not getting nominated here, but like not even Seth Meyers. Yeah. I mean, no Jimmy Fallon, though, which was quite satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Allow me to laugh hysterically, then fall off my chair and break a hand. <laughs> I mean, I think I think Stephen Colbert is winning that vote because he's hosting the night as well. So yeah. Uh, okay, outstanding drama. So make your noises. Better Call Saul. No idea. I didn't watch Breaking Bad either. Silence. Okay. Uh, the Crown. I like The Crown. I want it to be <laughs> less about Philip and his man pain because I don't care about Philip and his man pain. <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale. Yay. It's hard to cheer for yeah. the depressing. Yeah. Um, House of Freaking Cards. I mean, again, but also I think what they need to do for the next season of House of Cards is suddenly Frank Underwood is the best and most compassionate and most competent president that ever happened, like literally ever. And 
that's like the only way that they can pivot. See, there's that pivot word that Trump is never going to pivot people. Stop asking him to. Sorry. I'm not sorry. Anyway, that's the only way that they can make this into a political fantasy again. Um, Stranger Things. I'm going to go ahead and see yay. I mean, I liked it. I liked Stranger Things. We'll come back to that. This Is Us, which we didn't watch, we mentioned. Yeah. And Westworld. I watched I, half of it? I watched all of it. I um, feel like what I saw, I didn't see all of Westworld. What I saw of it, it is technically stunning. Mm-hmm. Because when you've got that kind of money, you're going to use it. Yeah. But I think the storytelling just fell short. And I heard that from a lot of people as well. But this to me just feels like it was a very buzzy TV show. There's no Game of Thrones. We like big, expensive shows where you can see a lot of work put into them. Let's just nominate this. Yeah. And some of the performances in Westworld are fantastic. Tandy Newton? Holy Mm -hmm. shit. Holy Mm -hmm. shit. I would give her, like, five Emmys right now. But it was a show. It happened. I'm not sure they actually know where they're going with it. Jeffrey Wright was great. Tony Hopkins was Tony Hopkins. <laughs> oh, we're on to Tony now. We're, we're pals with, with Sir we're Anthony. P- yes. Yes. We're tight. His we're Twitter tight. account is totally adorable, by the way, if you don't follow it. <laughs> like, he just seemed much more happy to be promoting Transformers than anyone had any right to. <laughs> yeah. And also, he's a painter, so he just, like, posts lots of his paintings. I think he just... Uh, what was it? Because he was in that Mask of Zorro, right? Yeah, and I remember bad. watching something like a making of, and he was saying like that's the kind of movies he always wanted to make, like old fashioned swashbuckling. So I think he really likes this kind of genre. So the Transformers, I haven't watched since like the second movie, but I still kind of feel like that's the kind of stuff he really wanted to be in. I mean, for it to be good, yeah, but he likes big flight of fancy and imagination. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. He is one of those people that I'm like, you make interesting choices, but they're fairly consistent. As I feel like he just needs to fund his painting now. His paintings yeah. are very good. But he, he does have one of those just like delightfully adorable social media presences that you can only get once you've reached a certain age and you just don't care anymore. Yeah. He is nominated, though, but I feel like, you know, you're just playing yourself, which you can do. You know, you're Anthony Hopkins. You're totally yeah. amazing. So I think I, he's, cool he's nominated on name strength, not performance strength. Yeah, I will see. I don't think he's going to win. I don't think Westworld are going to win either. I think Stranger Things is going to get it. Oh, probably. For a show that has managed to sustain the buzz it has had for a whole year. Yeah. Is is really striking. And I was I really enjoy Stranger Things. I don't know if it's necessarily the amazingness that it is to get all these nominations. Like, we'll come to some of the nominations it got later that are just nonsensical. I've only but I think seen a lot of that is. It. I think a lot of it is, the thing about the show is as well is, it is completely dependent on a particular brand of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Which isn't necessarily bad, because it does manage to be its own thing, but it's also a show that is completely beholden to all of the Stephen King novels of the 80s. Okay, but here's where I think I'm going to go too bad for it, because I think, yes, this show was created as a kind of love letter homage to a specific style of TV and an era but it did it well. You know, I think that kind of thing can fall apart. You can go, you know, you can go too far into parody. You can look like a parody when you were meaning to, you know, just call back. And I think 
you know, the clothes, the hair, even the titles, the, the, the fonts they use, the, the artifacts and screen, you know, I think they walk that tightrope really well. And I think if just appreciating on that front to me, like I wouldn't, I, I would call Stranger Things like a really great experiment in that. So I could see where it gets some of its accolades. I certainly understand it from that point of view, and I do think it is a really great piece of storytelling. I'm in- I'll be interested to see how it does in the second season. It could very well all fall apart, as many genre shows do with the sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. I-, I think a lot of the reason it's nominated is Buzz. Because everyone was talking about Stranger Things, just like everyone was talking about Westworld, just like everyone was talking about The Crown. I mean, The Crown is also just Emmy bait. But- oh, the-, the Crown is totally Emmy bait. I think Stranger Things also feeds into that old dude nostalgia. God, yes. It is, it is like, it's Spielberg nostalgia as well. It, yeah, it's Spielberg nostalgia, it's old dude nostalgia. This reminds me of a time when I was young and hot. Blah, 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 blah. Before all of the kids with their phones and shit. <laughs> there is certainly an element of that. But there's also just, it is... I mean, it's, I think the Emmys are like the Oscars in this aspect. They really like it when people like something and they're constantly looking for... I mean, the thing is, no one really watches the Emmys anymore. Like, the Emmys are constantly struggling with ratings. Mm-hmm. And this year's set to be no exception. But people really like Stranger Things and they love all those kids on Stranger Things and they really hope that Winona Ryder is going to make the face again. <laughs> um, and I think that that is one of those yeah. things that drives it. Yeah, you know, here's the thing about Emmys and being watched is that I, I completely understand why people want accolades and recognition and, you know, boost morale and it's it's just nice to recognize people. But, like, between the Oscars and the Golden Globes and the Emmys and the SAGs, and I mean, do you, are you really going to watch and care about all of this? Yeah. You watch the Oscars because they're the Oscars and you watch the Golden Globes because they're the drinky Oscars and people do funny things sometimes. Maybe if the Emmys let people have dinner while they're watched. I mean, the people actually there. But I watch them all. Well, we watch, but you know what I mean? We're not representative of the general public here. It's true, I'm just saying. I think a lot of it is also just, you know, it's the same with any award show. If the buzz is there, people will tune in. I mean, that's one of the reasons that they started making 10 categories at the Oscars. At ten mm-hmm. nominees at the cat uh, for the best picture, just so they could make space for the kind of films that people actually go to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and you actually see some of that with the Emmys. I mean, there are seven nominees for comedy and drama. You know, it used to be five. Mm-hmm. Or if you look at some of the acting nominees, there are six men nominated for lead actor in a comedy, but there are seven women. Right. There are, are um, one, two, three, four, seven men nominated lead drama six women in uh, lead drama. You know, it's very inconsistent, but there's clearly examples of them just wanting to get certain people in. You know, they want the people who are definitely worthy, but then they also want some of the bigger celebrities. Like, you know, I think, um, to skip ahead, outstanding lead actor in a drama. Like, Anthony Hopkins is there because he's Anthony Hopkins. Christ, why did we let Milo Ventimiglia still be a thing? Um, I don't know! Is he not good? Like, I've heard good things about him as an actor in This Is Us. I've heard good things, but I just don't care. Just yeah, but care. we just don't care about that show, so... I don't care about him either. I didn't care Damn. about him on Gilmore Girls. I don't care about him on Heroes. I don't care about him. I don't care. 
or something like <laughs> I don't care, but like Kevin Spacey is nominated, and that's because he's, he's Kevin Spacey, and because people like Kevin Spacey. Yeah, except when he's a Tony host. <sighs> uh, so, what do we think is winning drama? I think Stranger Things. Probably Stranger Things. Um, I, I, I don't think so. See, no? I would say The Crown, but I think that's more of a Golden Globes thing. I don't think it's going to be The Crown. I think the, the buzz for The Crown has died down. Handmaid's Tale might do it. That's another one I was thinking, just because it's the first time Hulu's had a show breakout. Mm-hmm. Uh, House of like if it's going to be a Netflix, I would say House of Cards is more of like the safe. Like, if they were going to go boring and safe, and what can we give it to? It's kind of like the modern family of the category, you know? Oh, now you're jinxing it. <laughs> now it's going to be House of Cards and Modern Family. Thanks, Selena. Would you be surprised <laughs> if This Is Us won because they want to reward a net, like a... Um... They don't want to reward a work show. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised, but it would depend. I mean, Netflix would have to throw a... Not Netflix. NBC would have to throw a shit ton of money behind it. And I don't know if they have that money anymore. Mm-mm. Well, Netflix doesn't, so maybe... In- <laughs> like, if they can goad Donald Trump into hate-tweeting it, maybe that will help. <laughs> but we don't know. Uh, I, I think Stranger Things. I think the buzz is there. Uh, do we care about variety talk series? Other than not Bill Maher. Go Sam B. I, I would like to see Sam B win, but I think Stephen Colbert's going to win. I think he was the most... Has John Oliver ever won this? Because I really like no. the show. No, it's basically, it was nothing but Jon Stewart and then Stephen Colbert won it a couple times. Oh. That was in our case of just getting lazy, because there was many years that Jon Stewart didn't deserve that. Um, do we care about variety sketch series? Which I think I mean, Saturday Night Live is pro gonna... drunk history. <laughs> I, mean, I, I would love like to drunk see... history. <laughs> I, I think that I would like to see that win either. I mean, I think Billy on the Street can be very funny too. I think SNL's got in the bag. Probably, but I'm got pro- more nominations than anything else this year except for Westworld. Mm-hmm. Um, outstanding limited series, Big Little Lies. It does have the buzz. I mean, right? I didn't see it, so um, Fargo. I I could not get into this season. What about I the get night off? I tried. I've just started like seeing the night off as like. I, was that something people talked about? Yes, really. the night of was a thing, but it kind oh, of dwindled off the end. Well, it's got Riz Ahmed in it. Well, I mean, I do love him. It was a HBO thing as well. You know, HBO have money to burn on this one. I think actually the the nominations are Big Little Lies, Fargo, Feud, Genius, and The Night of. Like Feud, I, I don't know if the Emmys are necessarily as enamored with like the razzle dazzle stories of Hollywood in the way that the Oscars are. Mm-hmm. But they really fucking like Ryan Murphy for some reason. Brian Murphy does well with limited series things. Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean... Like, American it, Crime Story is great, but he runs yeah, out of but, ideas very quickly with American Horror Story. Right. I mean, and that's that's why the limited series format tends to work for him, is because he will run out of ideas at about, oh, ten episodes in. And if he can wrap up a story and then move on, although... It's now gotten to the point with American Horror Story. I guess I don't watch it because I do not do horror and it has that on the tin, so it's not a thing for me. It's a very, like, pornographic kind of horror, you know? Yeah. 
like you know how we always talked about how Hannibal could so easily have gone very wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. To me, that that's Ryan Murphy. Yeah, that sounds he's right. Really big, he's really big on sexual horror. Yep, that sounds right. Yes, which is really gross. I I think Feud might do this, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Big Little Lies does it because of the major Hollywood star power behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you need to do is get Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon to work for that nomination, which they did, and then to work for the award itself. And I feel like they, because they're also producers in it, they will shake every hand, they will attend every party, they will completely coincidentally get pictures of Alexander Skarsgård on a yacht shirtless again. (laughs) Which was totally a campaign move, but it worked. He did get nominated. (laughs) Uh, But he needed sunblock very badly. Like you're Swedish, darling. Just just slap some on. It's fine. Yes, yes. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> but I think Big Little Lies is also very buzzy in that front. Like a lot of people tuned into that show not knowing what to expect, and then got really hooked mm-hmm. in a way that I think actually is very reminiscent of the book. You start reading that book thinking it's kind of a like a soapy kind of beach read, and it turns into something much kind of darker and more abrasive. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that a lot of male critics wrote off that show was basically being a soap opera, and it actually turns into this really deep dive into the uh, the complex emotions of being a victim of domestic abuse. And yet they all wrote up as like, oh, it's look at the kinky sex scene between Alexander Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman. It's like, actually, that's supposed to be a sexual assault scene, you guys. Like, just, just, just fucking watch the show. <laughs> oh, you can't expect dude critics to actually, like watch the show so that would get in the way of their hot takes. It's about ethics and TV journalism, Rin. <laughs> I, see, I think I think Big Little Lies is going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if Feud took it because people like Ryan Murphy for some reason, and also there's a lot of big famous people in that. Yeah. So I have a question about the next category, which is Outstanding Television Movie. Yeah. I... How is, I mean, Black Mirror is an anthology series. It's weird to me that its episodes are considered standalone. I don't know. It. I just thought Black Mirror would be nominated as like a limited series, not have separate entries nominated as movie television. I movies. think they submitted it that way because the outstanding limited series category was much more crowded. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they actually have a decent chance of winning it here. But once again, I think, you know, the Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks has Oprah power in it, and she didn't get nominated for acting, so she may want to just, like, completely throw her power behind this. Right. Mm. And, like, Sherlock, this is a second episode of the series. And that's such a lazy nomination, right? Oh, my God. I mean, season four is right up. Also, I watched it. I watched this. I watched this season of Sherlock. I remember nothing. I didn't watch it. I don't remember if I forgot to watch it or just even decided not to. <laughs> I'm off it. But yeah. I think Sherlock, the Sherlock episode is going to win, I think. Oh. Hmm. I don't know, maybe Dolly Parton will mount a really good campaign. <laughs> More power to her. I mean, The Wizard of Lies has also got the Robert De Niro power behind it. Yeah. That's also very sort of very relevant because it's about Bernie Madoff. A lot of people may have lost their money to Bernie Madoff and want to kind of get their own back by giving this an award. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they'll just vote for Dolly out of spite. I'm going to say I think Henry Lacks is going to get it because I don't bet against Oprah. 
It's fair. Okay, I don't watch a whole lot of reality TV, so I feel like you guys will get this better than me. Uh, yep. Outstanding reality program, uh, competition <laughs> program. Uh, the Amazing Race. Yep. American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> yep. Uh, Project Runway. I watched none of it this year. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. I, which I, I would like to win. I'm, I'm cheered by that nomination. I'm just it got happy eight to nominations. see it. Yeah. Did really well. Uh, Top Chef. Sure. Sure. And The Voice. Whatever. Cool. See, I'm cackling at American Ninja Warrior because, yeah, I watch American Ninja Warrior faithfully. Because it's seriously, it's like there's no ninjas involved. There is no warrior, war, warrior-ing. It's super American, though. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just a lot of fun, as long as you watch it with the right mindset, which is, for a lot of these people who are trying to tackle these obstacles, you are waiting for these douchebags to fall in the water. So you can point at them and laugh. And other times, you're like, yes, kid, you go! You go! And... There's been a definite increase in women who are seriously going for it and are making it through these incredibly difficult obstacles, which is kind of cool, too. And then you get, like, the dude who runs in his Boy Scout uniform who never makes it past the third obstacle every fucking year. It's great. And you point at him and laugh because he is an asshole. You can tell. <laughs> I will say the one that made me laugh the hardest was the guy who did it in the inflatable T-Rex outfit. Yeah. It surprisingly well. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was he's an actual. But he was a dinosaur. And he had he was a dinosaur, run. but he, he was an actual guy. Like that wasn't an actual run. That was a that was a stunt run. But he was a guy who I think had made it through the entire course earlier that night. So, somebody who could actually do it, and then still did surprisingly well in an inflatable T-Rex costume, which was amazing. We should state that this award has been won ten times by The Amazing Race. Yeah, and The Amazing Race is a pretty good show, although I haven't been watching it the past couple of seasons because I just got busy. Um, But they do really well on production values and stuff like that. And they're less inclined to cast for interpersonal drama than certain other shows. <coughs> Bachelor. <coughs> Bachelor. <laughs> Excuse me. Something you throw? Need a drink of water? Something. There's a yeah. There's a rose in my throat. Just need to work it up. It's fine. I mean, I would really like RuPaul's Drag Race to win this because I think it is the most impeccably produced piece of reality TV. Mm-hmm. And also, I just I kind of love that it is now like establishment enough that this show that like if you ever watched the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race, it's filmed in like some guy's garage and there's so much Vaseline over the lens, and now it's like this fully polished operation where Lady Gaga is a guest judge and stuff. Right. Uh, I don't think it will. I think it's probably going to go to like something like The Amazing Race just because these people like to vote for the same things. It's true, although Top Chef 
was a top chef that won recently? Project Runway? Let's check. Oh, the voice has won the past couple of years. Four reasons. Spinning chairs? Sure. I keep forgetting that Project Runway is produced by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Which does explain why Georgina Chapman keeps going on it. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Georgina Chapman is the co-founder of Marquesa and is also Harvey Weinstein's wife. Oh, sure. Top Chef won in 2010 and then it was the Amazing Race in The Voice. Mm-hmm. It's really been Amazing Race 90% of the time, so I don't yeah. see why it should be any different this year. Well, there, that yawn tells you everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, acting awards are up next. Yay! Okay. Outstanding um, lead actor. I'll do, I'll do this okay. one. Okay, we'll, we'll make noises now. Okay, outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. Anthony Anderson as Dre Johnson Sr. in Blackish. Yay! Aziz Ansari as Dev Shaw in Master of None. Yay! Yay. Zach Galifianakis as Chip Baskets and Dale Baskets on Baskets. Wait, seriously? He's called Chip and Dale? Yes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I haven't seen the show. Neither have I. Donald Glover as Ern Marks on Atlanta. Yay! William H. Macy as Frank Gallagher on Shameless. Yeah. And Jeffrey Tambor as Mara Pfeifferman on Transparent. He is very good on it. He's very good. But it looks like Transparent's star has begun to wane since it is not nominated for. Yeah. Oh, this I think this one could could be open pretty wide, actually. I mean, there's no modern family in this this category at all. Yep. Like, who else could... Who else, I'm just going to look at who'd won that previous year, just so we can kind of... Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor won it last year. Jeffrey Tambor has won it twice so far. There's no Big Bang Fury! That's what it is! Yes! Ooh. Fucking finally! Yeah. I'll get behind that. Christ, Jim Parsons is one of the has won this award as many times as Michael J. Fox and Kelsey Grammer. One of Why? these things is not like the other. Actor with most nominations without ever winning, John Goodman. Oh, come on! You're, you're, well, he keeps getting screwed over. He deserves better than this. He does. He does. Um, <laughs> also, the ads for Intel with Jim Parsons, I want to punch him in the fucking face. Can I just say that when they make the Ivanka Trump movie, can we get Jim Parsons to play Jared Kushner? Yes. Yes. And Jake Busey can play Eric Trump. <laughs> Ivanka will be played by Katherine Heigl. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this shit planned out, you guys. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um, I don't know who's going to win this. Honestly... I mean, Jeffrey Tambor seems like a pretty safe bet because they enjoy that kind of acting. Actually, it's not the kind of acting they usually go for, but it is a feat that they enjoy. Even though Jeffrey Tambor is probably the best example of a cisgender actor playing a trans person. Yes. Which is still a problem, but he is at least one of the few to openly say, you know what, I should be the last person to ever do this. Like, if you will listen to his speech last year, he does just say, hire more trans actors. If I am the last cisgender person to ever do this, it will be brilliant. Yeah. So, kudos to Jeffrey Tambor. He may win it again as a result, but I don't know. Like, I think Donald Glover would be the spoiler. Didn't he win the Golden Globe? I think so. I like. I know Atlanta has got some, so yeah. Wouldn't? Yeah, yeah. He won because uh, Atlanta won Best Television Series, Musical Comedy, and then he won Best Actor. 
In a chocolate brown velvet suit, as I recall correctly. For tux. So maybe. So does anyone know the last time a black actor won this award? Has one? I think, yeah, wait, wait, hang on a second. Yep, I'm 84, 85 by the looks of it. For a show called Benson. Okay. Um, so, like, let's do better. Which is one of the reasons I think that Donald Glover may get it. And also because it's, his, that show is a one-man show, basically. He writes it, he directs it, he's a producer, he stars in it. You know, mm-hmm. That is the Donald Glover show, in the best way possible. But this is also a category where they like to fall back on what they know, so they may just give it to Jeffrey Tambor again because they want to keep that streak going. Who made the joke? I think it was Aziz Ansari, who either last year or the year before, when the nominations were being announced, the nominees, he was holding a book as like, How to Lose to Jeffrey Tambor with Grace or something like that. (laughs) And then it wasn't even Jeffrey Tambor that won. I, I think, I mean, I would say Jeffrey Tamer just because they do like to reward the same people, but if it's not him, I'll, I will say Donald Glover. Okay. I'd like to see Anthony Anderson get it, but if um, if Flackish is only going to get one, I want it to be Tracy Ellis Ross. That's what I want. Well, speaking of outstanding lead actress in a comedy series... Nice, nice. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Pamela Adlin as Sam Fox on Better Things. Oh, no idea. Uh, Jane Fonda as Grace Hansen on Grace and Frankie. Yay! It was a really good season. (laughs) Alison Janney as Bonnie Plunkett and Mum. Or Mom. Mom, not Mum. Mom. There we go. Yeah, Uh, Ellie Kemper as Kimmy Schmidt on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. (laughs) Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Selena Meyer on Veep. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Tracy Ellis Ross as Dr. Rainbow Johnson on Blackish. As. And Lily Tomlin as Frankie Bergstein on Grace and Frankie. Yay! Seven nominees here. Women are Dreyfus funny, has won this guys. five years in a war. Um, Julia Louis Dreyfus has won this five years in a row. Yeah. So. I. I don't. I mean, once again, it's a political year. They like this show an awful lot. She's very funny in it. You know, because she's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so they, they may just get bored. She's the most nominated actress in this category ever, over Mary Tyler Moore. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, she's a legit legend, so... Maybe? I don't know. I really love Grace and Frankie, but I don't... Like, I don't know how to decide whether I'd give it to Lily Tomlin or Jane Fonda, you know what I mean? It's hard for me to yeah. separate. That's a book split. The show's about the chemistry between the two. Yes. If there's enough buzz for Blackish, like, if it carries through because, you know, they may want to reward the network show, mm-hmm. I think it could benefit both Anthony Anderson and uh, Tracy Ellis Ross. And she did win the Golden Globe. Yeah. So I yeah. think it might be her. I think she's the one with the most momentum since that Golden Globe win. So mm-hmm. just send Diana Ross after everyone. Yeah. That's what she's there for, guys. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say just I, I will, you know, be take a risk. I will say Tracy Ellis Ross. Okay. Yep. Your mouth, God's ears. <laughs> 
Outstanding lead actor in a drama series. There are seven nominees this year. Sterling K. Brown in This Is Us. I've heard he's very good. He's good. I really liked him in American Crime Story. Uh, Anthony Hopkins in Westworld as Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. It's Anthony Hopkins. But with robots. Uh, Bob Odenkirk in Better Call Saul. He's very good in it, but I just... My, my dad likes it, but I was yeah. never a big Breaking Bad person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Reese on The Americans. Sure. I mean... I hear the season was excellent, but I've never actually yeah. watched the show. Uh, Lee F. Shriver for Ray Donovan. Which... Sure. I've also never watched that show because we don't get Showtime. I do love me some Lee F. Shriver, though. He's single now. I know. I know. But when I met him, it was after uh, the second show of a two-show day. So he was very tired. <laughs> Kevin Spacey for House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Sure. sure. And Milo freaking Ventimiglia for This Is Us. Whatever. I feel like there's some residual Gilmore Girls hate in this podcast. I've never seen Gilmore Girls. I just think he's a wanker. I, I've i never heard enough about him to think that. Like He was in a couple of shows I watched. I don't think I've ever heard anything about him as a person. He just has a punchable face. He has the, the Miles Taylor syndrome. That. It's that. not personal. No. This is an interesting It's, it's not personal, it's just oh. your face. Why am I defending my love to Midley's honor here? Like, I don't know! <laughs> you could, like, choose not to do that. Okay, so this year is really interesting because the previous three winners are not nominated. Two of their shows have ended, and one who, last year's winner, Rami Malik, is not nominated. So this category is wide open. Hmm. Will they choose this, take this as an opportunity to to make a risk? You know, you know what? You know what? You know what? I'm going to say they are going to take a risk. They're going to finally reward Matthew Reese for the Americans. Just do the thing. Just do the thing. That's what. That's actually pretty solid thinking. I mean, the show itself wasn't nominated, but the acting was. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, people like Matthew Reese. Yeah, I would assume. Like him yeah. and him and Carrie Russell are a very cute couple. They are. They are. Is it really acting, though? It's not even remotely punchable. If you have to act married to your own real-life wife or husband. Well, they weren't together when the show started. They were with other people. <laughs> I'm, I'm being facetious. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> there are parts of it, like, I'm sure it's not... Anyway, it's, it's a bad joke. I'll move on. But just to I follow think that up, would be a really interesting move, so... Kaylee, on what you were saying, like, yeah, and not only the last couple of years, I mean... The actors and shows that have been nominated for like the past decades are all up there. Like this category has not had a long run for a while now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a very strange kind of category. I mean, if you look at it for just from the past decade, so it's Ram- going backwards. Rami Malek, John Hamm. It took until the final season of Mad Men for John Hamm to win. Yeah. Um, Brian Cranston, Jeff Daniels, Damian Lewis, Kyle Chandler, Friday Night Lights. Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston, James Spader, Kiefer Sutherland, James Spader, James Spader, James Gandolfini. Like, most of these shows aren't on the air anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them aren't on the air anymore, except for Homeland, but Damian Lewis isn't in anymore, and Mr. Robot, which they didn't nominate. They keep nominating Ray Donovan, though. Yeah, well. I keep meaning to check it out. It's Past seasons are on one of the streaming services I subscribe to. I keep meaning to check it out too. 
There's a lot of shows I say that about. I'm kind yeah. of off, like, I don't know what it is that why, why I've been off TV this year, but I've kind of been off TV. I think that's the thing, is there's so much to watch, and you can't help but be like, well, I'm not going to watch any of it then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, that's almost kind of it, to be honest. <laughs> Sorry, the CW. Sorry. So, like, I would like to, I think I will go with you, I would like to see them take a risk and actually give it to Matthew Reese. They may want to kind of follow the the Breaking Bad love and then give it to Bob Odenkirk as a result, which would be really interesting because he's very mm-hmm. good in that show. My worry is that they'll not they'll give it to Kevin Spacey, who would give a very nice speech. You know, he's very yeah. good at that, but uh, there, there would just be something really self satisfied about it. You know, yeah. So please don't do that. Or maybe they'll just get bored and give it to Leah Shriver. Like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, wait. If we give it to you, will your show go away? Where's your half-brother? We like that guy. <sighs> we like Liev, too. Oh, I like Liev, too. It's just like, uh, okay, you're on the show because I think they've just forgotten to take you off the ballot. Mm. It seems like the kind of show that like my dad would like. Oh, probably. <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing. My dad has relatively decent taste in TV. So, Matthew Reese, Just for good luck? Yes. Okay. Uh, outstanding lead actress in a drama, Viola Davis for How to Get Away with Murder. Mm-hmm. Claire Foy uh, for The Crown. She was great. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale. She was great. Carrie Russell for The Americans. I'm sure she's great. I've heard. <laughs> and Rachel Wood for Westworld. She sure. Did the- yeah. And Robin Wright for House of Cards. Not one. Whatever. Whatever. You know what? I'm kind of on the Robin Wright train, like for her fight to stand up for herself. Yeah. yeah. And like, I almost kind of want to reward her. Not like I like her as an actress, just fine. And I'm really like on this kind of Robin Wright Renaissance thing that we're having. And mm-hmm. you know, like we had that new story recently where she was like, yes, she wasn't valued monetarily as much as her co-stars, but like she fought for herself and she got so almost kind of want to reward her as a person even more than the acting. Well, I think her, I haven't watched the house of cards in a few seasons, but I think her acting in the show is fine. So. All right. I'll support that. I mean, there's love for her and one, there's a lot of buzz just because of wonder woman as well. I heard a rumor. She was getting back together with Sean Payne. Don't do that. Don't, Don't do, do that. that. Don't, Don't do, do that. it. Don't like you were almost getting married to Ben Foster. Go find someone young and hot again. You, you have all those wonder woman muscles. Now go beat Sean Penn up. This is for Madonna, you fucker! Allegedly. But not allegedly, because we've seen <laughs> the smoking gun prints. Uh, I don't know about this category. I mean, last year the winner was was last year Viola Davis, or was that the year before? Last year was Tatiana Maslany. Oh, yeah. Oh, she was good. Yeah. So, she was, you know, she's not even nominated. Uh, Viola Davis won the year before, and then uh, before that, there was it was a lot of Claire Danes, Juliana Margulies. Glenn Close, that kind of thing. So, yeah, this Glenn one Close, be, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> this one could be more open as a result, and I wonder if if the Handmaid's Tale buzz is going to carry it through. It might, because it's not just the Handmaid's Tale. You know, this is it's Peggy Olsen from Mad Men. It's the lead detective on Top of the Lake. Like Elizabeth Moss is one of the best actresses on TV right now, but she's never won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think likelihood is Elizabeth Moss. I could see Claire Foy, though again I think the crown is more of a Golden Globes thing but I could see Robin Wright as I think like the safe vote 
So to me, I think it's going to come down to between Elizabeth Moss and Robin Wright. That makes sense. Yeah. Your logic checks out. <laughs> I think if I think if um, Handmaid's Tale is going to win anything, the, the smart decision would be giving it to either one of the directing nominees or giving it to Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. So I, I will say Elizabeth Moss because I think they'll want to give that show something. Uh, and there's a wider voting block to go with. Like for the Oscars, it's about six thousand people. For the Emmys, I think it's about thirteen, fourteen thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like if there's enough people going for it, then that will help. Yeah. Um, but we'll need to see. I mean, I I was really sad she never won for Mad Men. She's so good at Mad Men, you guys. And she's really good in Top of the Lake. I'm very excited for season two. I think that just dropped on Netflix or Hulu or something, so I can finally watch it. Elizabeth Moss is my favorite Scientologist. <laughs> yeah. Alright, outstanding lead actor in a limited series, or maybe. This mostly comes down to buzz for the actual series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we have Riz Ahmed for The Night of, Benedict Cumberbatch for Sherlock, of course, Christ. Robert De Niro. With, I could see him taking this. Ewan McGregor for Fargo, Jeffrey Rush on Genius, and John Turturro in The Night Off. I'm going to say this seems like De Niro as the bigger name and also Bertie Madoff as like the... Well, I'm not going to say he's more famous than Albert Einstein, but I don't know. It's just not better to cover batch is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> that to me feels like just nominating the star. Yeah. I mean, this is all. This is a very buzzy category, you know. Like Ewan McGregor didn't get the greatest write-ups for Fargo, but it's a role where he's playing twins, and he's a movie star. So, and it's on a very buzzed-about show, so that probably helped. I would love to see Riz Ahmed win it. I think he's just had such a great couple of years. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and he got such wonderful write-ups for the night of that. There may be a vote split between him and John Turturro. Mm-hmm. The safe, no, I think the safe one would then be would be De Niro because he's Robert De Niro, and I don't think he's ever won an Emmy before. Well, that's what Wikipedia is open for. Robert De Niro awards and nominations, primetime Emmy awards. No, and this is actually his first nomination for the primetime Emmys. No, oh, well, I mean, I suppose Robert De Niro is not necessarily known as a TV actor, so. Yeah, like Golden Globes, none of the Golden Globes are for TV. They're all motion picture. So there you go. See, I, I, that feels like a, a safer bet. I feel like that category, that, that's not as exciting as the lead actress in the limited series category. Nope. Like, that's where the big names are. Like, I mean, there's yeah. big names in this one as well, but this is a category layer. It's like, you know, Battle of the Divas kind of situation. Yeah. So... Outstanding lead actress in a limited series or movie, Carrie Coon in Fargo, mm-hmm. Felicity Huffman on American Crime, mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman for Big Little Lies, mm-hmm. Jessica Lange for Feud, Susan Sarandon for Feud, and Reese Witherspoon for Big Little Lies. Well, we do know that the Academy loves Jessica Lange in this category. They, they love her. Oh, yeah. That's the thing is, this is I, I honestly don't know which way this is going to go. Like the usual sort of logic would be, well, if there's two nominees from the same project, they may split the vote. Mm-hmm. But that's happening two times over, and I don't know if there's necessarily enough buzz to 
to swing it to Felicity Huffman or Carrie Coon. Right. Carrie Coon getting in here feels like a a makeup for not getting in for the leftovers for which she was you know rapturously received. Mm-hmm. I think I mean if they're gonna go for like the big name, I mean Nicole Kidman's having a hell of a year. Yeah. There are a hell of a lot of big names here. Yeah. True. I, I think as well because both Reese and Nicole are also the producers on the thing that they're in. Mm-hmm. They're they're gonna have the major clout to get this thing out there. Yep. So I'm Team Carrie. Okay. Why not? Team Carrie. You go. You go. Are, are you that. mostly Team Fargo though? I am, I am Team Fargo. I'm still mad that Allison Tolman didn't win. And that was like three years ago. <laughs> but I'm, I'm also Team Chaos. <laughs> I don't know the answer to this, and I'm pretty sure neither of you do either. But I'd be curious to know, is there a tie-breaking system? Or do they just give a joint award? Has a joint award ever happened? I don't. That's a very good question think it has? That would be interesting. You know, we're talking about splitting the vote, but if it literally splits down the middle, not that I I, I imagine that happens, I'm sure there's going to be one or two votes difference. But, but is it is it instant runoff voting? How, what's the voting mechanism? Yeah. Should have looked it up. Should have done homework before I recorded well, What they hope is that someone takes the wrong envelope. Yeah. And they go out. <laughs> right. And then Barry Jenkins wins again. He is doing a TV series. There you go. He's adapting Underground Railroad for Amazon, apparently. Hmm. Which is a great choice. If you haven't read Colson Whitehead's Underground Railroad, it just won the Pulitzer Prize and the National Book Award, and it's kind of the the book of 2016. It's very, very good. I don't know if there's a time. I mean, they would certainly love the kind of the, the, the hashtag moment of a tie. But it's really not something you could predict. I, I assume that they have contingencies in place. I would hope that they do. I yeah. think especially after what happened with Price Waterhouse Cooper at the Oscars this year, they'd be like, double check, real check everything. I filed the actual PDF with rules and procedures for 2015. Okay. And I'm going to assume they, they're probably the same. Or substantially similar. Yeah. No, they have to, yeah, they have to, they have procedures for how to decide ties and nominees, but I think, I wonder if tie-breaking is, like, secret to the accounting firm that does the... Right. I um, wonder if it's not public knowledge. What, send me the link to the rules. Okay. You're gonna lawyer it? I'm gonna lawyer it. Alright, talk about something else while I lawyer. <laughs> okay, um, let's go into... is a very boring process, guys, to listen to, so... Okay, uh, so they're supporting performances. Is there a particular category that's most exciting to any of you? Team Leslie Jones. I, I, would, I think if anyone's going to win it in that category, I mean, there's three Saturday Night Live women there. Oof. There's Vanessa Bear, there's Leslie Jones, and Kate McKinnon. They do love Kate McKinnon. She was Hillary, and I think that that will have a lot of sway. I would like right. to see... Leslie Jones win it. I really like Catherine Hahn. She's great. Um, uh, she's also really good in I Love Dick, which just no one seemed to have watched. Maybe because they thought the title was something else. I don't know. I mean, is this the first year of no Maggie Smith? Yes. So last year, Maggie Smith won. The year before it was Uzo Duba, and Maggie Smith was nominated. Before that, she was nominated. But I think, yeah, she's not nominated this year. 
So Teddy Newton for Westworld in the supporting actress in a drama series. I mean, she's as much the lead of that show as Evan Rachel Wood is, but I think that was just a case of, you know, making sure you kind of spread out across the categories. Yeah, right. Uh, there's a, I mean, this is, you know, a lot of this category's buzz. Like, I like Millie Bobby Brown in Stranger Things. I am just constantly worried for her because she seems to have very, like, Hollywood parents. Mm. I, 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 if I was to pick someone in this category, um, well, I don't know. Like, I think Tandy Newton is such a wonderful actress that she should just be rewarded for everything. Uh-huh. Anne Dowd is such a great character actress who's kind of getting her moment to shine. I think Samira Wiley has the more buzzy of those two roles in The Handmaid's Tale. Right. But there's also Chrissy Metz in This Is Us. And she's the only network nominee here. You know, is there love for that show? And does it carry over to her? Right. This is really kind of open. It's a very we'll see category. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the supporting actor in a drama series like John Lithgow's Winston Churchill in the Crown is probably it. I think that's a lock. I hope I kind of hope so. <laughs> I love I love that performance so much. I think we had this exact conversation in our last uh like award season. This might have been like pre-Golden Globes or something like that, but he's it's it's a cliche award, but in this case it's so well deserved. <laughs> You know, we talked about it when we talked about The Crown and the royal royalty TV shows and movies that we like. Mm-hmm. But he really was very good. He was great. Let's see. Did Titus Burgess win this last year? Nope. Has he won it ever? No, Louis Anderson won it. Oh, okay. What is Baskets? Who watched it's I, don't know Gal- I know it's Zach Galifianakis' show. Right. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. I know that Louis Anderson plays his mother. And it's not like a, a mean drag role. He's just playing a woman. Which is interesting in and of itself. I hear he's very good in it, but it's just one of those shows where it's like, why is this? Dumb? I've never heard anything no. about this show. I've never heard anyone talk about it. I've never heard any like critical buzz about it. I mean, do people like Zach Galifianakis that much? I don't know. I mean, previous winners before that, there's it was a lot of Modern Family, and also Tony Hale on Veep, who's very good on Veep. But every time I see him, I still mostly want to, see, to think of uh, Arrested Development. But if you look at like before that, like there's a shit ton of Jeremy Piven, which I'm sure seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> For this category, Ty Burrell has won a couple of times, but I wonder if Alec Baldwin as Donald Trump might take this. What do you think? Ah, uh, I, mm. I yeah. I, I think that's uh, that people like Alec Baldwin for some reason, and also his portrayal of Donald Trump is something that pisses off Donald Trump. Exactly, and people love that. So I, yeah, I, that that makes a lot of sense to me. I wouldn't say it's deserved. Like my favorite, I don't know if anyone's ever watched the President Show on Comedy Central, which takes the form of like a chat show hosted by Donald Trump, but it's Anthony Atamaniuk who plays uh, Donald Trump, and his his impression is so spot on; it's actually scary. Mm-hmm. And it's really clear that uh, <laughs> uh, Ali Baldwin is kind of ripping him off for that. But uh, no, I, I feel like it, 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 there's such a it's steamrolling forward at this point in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for the limited series, in both categories, there's a whole lot of feud. 
and then Big Little Lies. Well, I, I mean, there's only so many limited series in one particular year, but, you know, there's two feud actors in supporting actor. There's Alfred Molina and Stanley Tucci, both of whom I would be very happy to see win. Mm-hmm. Judy Davis as in the supporting actress and Jackie Hoffman. But then this is also the category with Laura Dern and Shailene Woodley and Big Little Lies. I think Laura Dern's going to win it. Her role, she's the biggest role on that show, not in terms of of substance, but it's a big performance. There's a lot of like good one-liners, there's a lot of screaming. And also she's Laura Dern, there's already a rumour going around that she's going to be running to be president of the Academy. Yeah. Which means that she probably won't be acting much for a longer, for, you know, taking time off not to act anymore, so... Mm-hmm. Be one hell of a send off. I I actually think that Big Little Lies is going to win this and supporting actor because I think Alexander Skarsgård is going to fucking work for his win. Yeah, there's just like a sudden increase in the amount of like paparazzi photos of him wearing tight shirts and going topless on boats. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would mind Stanley Tucci winning because he's Stanley Tucci and he's awesome. Right, and his cookbook is really good. And then there's the, uh, we get to directing and then writing, which I, like, you can talk about actors w- with Buzz, but I really feel we have to, like, just watch the episode to comment on this, and I haven't, so I'm gonna leave it to you for the one uh. you're acting. So, I don't know. Uh, there's, for example, there's two Handmaid's uh, Tale episodes um, nominated for directing. Mm-hmm. Alfred and The Bridge. There are three women nominated in this category, which is really good. I think um, Reed Morano has a really good chance of winning this. Um, which I may- would that make her the first woman to win this? Let's double check. No, I don't know. She wouldn't be because uh, Mimi Letters won it, I believe. Karen yeah, Archer won for Cagney and Lacey. That's good, but yeah, El- Mimi Later won it for ER. So, so no, she would not be the first one in a while, certainly. Oh, hey, um, going back through these old, uh, while we were looking for if there were any previous winners, I see a, a tie having happened in this category in 1989. So I guess sometimes there's just a tie. At least in the past, there's been just a tie. Yeah, I haven't been able to find anything that specifies the voting method, if it's instant runoff, or if it's just vote for your fave and whoever has the most, like, I don't know. Oh, look, there's another tie in 97. Apparently this is the category where ties happen. Okay. So, yeah, for Outstanding Directing for Drama, there's two Handmaid's Tale episodes, uh, episode of The Crown, an episode of Better Call Saul, then Homeland, Stranger Things, and Westworld. In the comedy series, we have Atlanta, which is credited to Donald Glover, so, like, maybe this kind of as you called it, the one-man show, not literally, but in that he's kind of in charge of yeah. everything. There's also two Silicon Valley episodes and three Veep episodes. Okay, no offense to the one, who, I'm sure Glenn Weiss is a lovely man, but the Oscars being nominated for Outstanding Directing after this year? Yeah, right? <laughs> is that a joke? I mean, like, that wasn't his fault. <laughs> True. <laughs> but also just I mean, he kept he kind of kept up, and he got that great audience reaction shot of The Rock going, "What the fuck is happening?" So you know, I'd give him a nomination just for that shot alone. 
I will say, um, if you look at the writing nominees, there's n- I, I, I'm not counting a lot of women getting nominated for anything. Yep. Uh, Lisa Joy is nominated for co-writing Westworld. Uh, Lena Hoyt is uh, co-writing Master of None. Uh, Sarah Silverman's on for a variety special. But, like, this is pretty thin on the ground for women. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know the breakups of the writers' rooms, but I know that Samantha Bee's writers' team is pretty women-heavy. But, you know, there's always this idea of, like, the... It's the same with directing. We love this idea of, like, the the, ma- the lone man with his vision. Right. And that so seldom carries over to women. Yeah, like, there's no actual names for, like, Outstanding Writing for a Variety Series, for example. Um, a lot of it, like, it's just a show. So what their writer's rooms look like, I, I just don't know off the top of my head. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know what Sam B's writer's room looks like because she shows it to us. Right. And she brings her writers out to talk sometimes and she made a point of hiring women and women of color and she said on air I made a point of doing this because I'm not a dick <laughs> there's a there, is Jimmy Fallon nominated for anything okay the episode of Saturday Night Live he hosted is nominated for outstanding directing but the, the Tonight Show isn't nominated for anything and like the Aww. major categories, at least. Aww. Aww. Hi, guess... Let me try and let me try and make some sort of emotion about this. <laughs> okay, it is nominated I... for outstanding interactive program, whatever the fuck that means. No one knows what that means. usage. Sure. The interactivity of me throwing my fist through the screen every time Jimmy Fallon's face comes on. Cool. <laughs> Please tell me you read the New York Times profile on him. I did. That was some weird reading. Also, he seems to have grown a porn stash lately. Well, I mean, Pablo Schreiber shaved his off when he stopped playing porn stash, so it had to go somewhere. He's not got a ginger beard, so... Hmm. I mean, look, I'm supportive of this, and I did not like the character of porn stash. And I love Mad Sweeney, so... American God's got two nominations. Opening title credits and uh, special effects. Oh, man. Wow, that's... Well, is it eligible next year, just for the first season again? Not for the first season, no. Okay. Come on. I know. (sighs) Whatever. Uh, Nominations... By network, HBO 47 is by far ahead of the field. So HBO is still kind of holding firm to its title of, like, prestige TV network, I guess. Yeah. Netflix tied with effects, you know, just over half of, of HBO's. NBC leads the, the cable networks with 17. Broadcast. Broadcast. Sorry, I never know. This how is the just focus. the major nominations. This doesn't even cover like tech. We should right. say. Right. Because if we go by tech, I think Westworld got twenty-two. And by program, Feud and Veep tied with ten each. Huh. Hemisphere tied with Westworld. Big Little Lies tied with The Night of. So, are you? Does that? You know, I know this doesn't include tech categories, but does it surprise you that it's HBO? Or do you think like, nope, like that's just status quo and that's that's that? I th- 
it's the whole it's not TV, it's HBO thing, you know. It's the prestige that surrounds it. Which some networks are kind of catching up on, but you know, they've they've got a few years to catch up on, and that's kind of the problem. And also HBO have money. Oh. Which I mean it shouldn't be overestimated it shouldn't be underestimated just how much money Game of Thrones makes them. And I mean, considering how much it costs to make. I mean, it's the most pirated show in the world and it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Um, I actually did have a talking point I wanted to round table, and there's a term you use, Kaylee. You use this to use it in your writing, and it, there's a lot of general terms that, terms that are on this te- technology. You use peak TV. We also call like pre- uh, call it prestige television, and you know, golden age of TV. And there's a lot of ways to talk around it. But I've been thinking about something. We've been using that term for a while now, and true, there's definite. There was a very palpable, you know, increase in quality of both production and acting and, and writing that we, we've gotten uh, from our TV recently. But do you think at some point it stops being a phenomenon and just becomes a new normal? And how, like, at what point does that happen? Like, do we have a few more years to go before we can just say, no, that's just how we do TV? Or do you honestly expect it to wane at some point and go back to and the quality to slap off? Um, I don't necessarily think that will happen. I think the peak TV thing is also mostly the concern of people like me, who are the hot take providers of pop culture. Because there is this sense, once you've got to write about pop culture, that you should be keeping up with everything. And it's just physically not possible. But we're also in this age, because there is so much choice now, and every network is kind of doing their own series and now there's the streaming options and we have much more access to international television, all of these things. Uh, you have this weird kind of situation where you have to simultaneously be better than good enough, but you also don't have to have the audiences that you would have previously needed to survive. Like, American Gods does not get massive ratings, but it's on a premium station that people pay to view. It is very well loved by the people who love it, and it's, you know, buzzed about. And that keeps that show going. In the same way that something like Hannibal did. Like, and not a lot of people watched that show. You know, it, you know, five years ago, if that had been on, it would have got cancelled, like, four episodes in. Uh-huh. Um, so, trying to sort of tread that line between making, you know, TV that does rise above the, above the, you know, the, the crowded field, but not having to rely on these massive ratings anymore because those ratings just don't exist anymore people don't watch tv like they used to Mm -hmm. people don't sit in front of the tv and just watch it from 8 till 11 anymore watch you know the the network schedule they stream on netflix or they record a bunch about seven episodes on their tv and watch it one rainy afternoon or they you know go out and buy box sets occasionally that's the thing people still do you know they, they they don't really adhere to the normal model anymore and i think tv traditional network model in particular doesn't know how to deal with that yet but Netflix do HBO do stars and the streaming services and some of those smaller networks do but you can see some people have already tried to experiment with the prestige TV age and it's failed like WGN put out like a really good roster of very critically acclaimed TV shows but they didn't get the ratings needed to justify how much they cost 
you know, Underground was the example of this, was a really critically acclaimed series, but nowhere near enough people watch it to justify $6 million an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, or something like A&E, you know, once Bates Motel is wrapped up, A&E are not going to be doing scripted drama anymore. They're just going to be relying on reality TV. They had their chance to see if they could play that game. It didn't work for them what they wanted it to do, so they're now going back to the, the safer, cheaper model. Mm-hmm. So that's why you see stuff like, I think, um, HBO and Netflix rising to the top because they've got money to spend. Or at least with Netflix, they, they have the perception of money to spend. There's been some questions as to how much Netflix actually has. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're, they're spending like you know, $100 million on TV series. It seems to be really normal for them now. Right. I don't know if we'll necessarily... There, there may be a boom that will eventually bust. I don't know when that will be. It depends if they, the costs can be managed. And you see some of that with Netflix now because they have been cancelling shows. Before, they never cancelled anything. They just let it run. But now they are, they're clamping down. And they're you know, sort of streamlining their model. They're, they're focusing a lot on documentaries and movies or on the TV series that can keep people hooked or bring in new folks. But, you know, Netflix are not the only game in town anymore. So I will be interested to see in, like, five years' time what the state of the TV is. Right. Because I don't... I mean, especially since, like, the, the I mean, it's still very advertiser-driven, but the, the excuses that used to be used to justify like the lack of diversity on TV mm-hmm. do, not, do not hold water anymore. I mean, look what happened with the Hawaii Five-O situation. Right. Yeah. Okay, so for, uh, let's... There may be uh, listeners who don't know, so let's... Um, okay. Anybody want to do a... Yeah, um, so uh, Hawaii Five-O, the remake of it on CBS is... Which we loved! Yes. Which was... Like, a really good, fun procedural. It's on in a Friday night slot, and it's getting really good ratings for that slot. And you know, so it's pretty. doing as well as a CBS procedural does. <laughs> it came time for contract negotiations. Everyone got a raise. Grace Parks and... Uh, Grace Daniel Park and, and Daniel De Kim, who are the two lead Asian actors on the show set in Hawaii, the only state with a majority Asian population, if I'm remembering my demographics correctly. Basically went with their agents to do the negotiations as we want we want parity you know we want to be paid the same as scott can and the guy that was in moonlight mm-hmm. apparently they were offered raises but they were not offered parity so they walked yeah i mean it's hard to get over the optics in that situation you know yeah a show set in hawaii with a you know majority asian population and those two actors, the two Asian actors on the show, are dispensable. But Scott Kahn, who has talked about getting time off to do the show and only having part-time days and stuff so he can spend more time in Ellie with his family, he is worth keeping on a hold on to. I yeah. mean, I, um, I haven't watched the second half of this season. I'll catch it whenever it's on streaming and then I'll stop watching because I'm not watching like, after Grace Park and um, Dale DeKeem live. He's barely been in the show. For the past two seasons, Scott Kahn has been in the show so little that I've actually often wondered, like, oh, are they just writing the character off? And no, this is like this is essentially a part-time job. Yeah. So much as they exist in acting for him, this is a part. He's in barely half, I think. I think he's less than half of episodes. So 
even if you look at them as like names, okay, Scott Kahn is, uh, you know, he's the son of James Kahn. Ocean's Eleven was a profitable franchise, so maybe he had like a, a name recognition coming in. But who the fuck knew who Alex Laughlin was? And who they were so hard after? to make him happen as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he got multiple failed shows before landing this. And this is also a problem that CBS have had for a long time. Like, whether or not they've been willing to admit it, CBS is a shittily white network. Mm-hmm. So there yeah. really is no excuse for this. I think Daniel Day Kim might have been the biggest name coming into it because Lost, but Grace Park was on Babylon 5. I I watched Enemy Battlestar was, Galactica. Ba- sorry, Battlestar Galactica, the Vichas. Um... <laughs> she was a regular for the entire. I think she was actually, funnily enough, she was supposed to be a character that I killed off in the miniseries and then yeah. became a regular for the entire run of the show. Like, they were definitely bigger names than Alex Laughlin. It's laughable. I believe Daniel D. Kim has that show we've mentioned a few times. Is it called Connoisseur? Something like that. Um, I may be mixing it up with another upcoming like show, but uh, like I'm going to watch that and more power to him, but I- I'm a little worried about Grace Park because I don't think she has the career she deserves. I hope she has the money she deserves. I, don't- I hope she has that yeah. syndicated sci-fi money. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, there really was no excuse for this. Nope. And I think they're going to see it affected in their ratings. I no. mean, CBS is kind of separate from the ratings problem because it's mostly like grandparents who watch it. Who just kind of lost a remote? Yeah, but I, I mean, there, there's a like... reason why there's a concept of the CBS procedural, right? Because they have found that formula that works for them, and it's solid. It's like it, it's like white people mac and cheese. It's filling and reasonable, but it's not particularly good. And I think they're they're content with their slice of the pie, and they're not they're not going to attempt to compete with peak TV or prestige television. They're content with their demographic of people who won't pay for more than basic cable. Yeah, they're going to have their season twenty of NCIS or whatever. Can you believe like? If you go back to the very like first season of Jag and go like twenty years later, this the wider world of this franchise yeah. is still going. Like who would even I know. I stumbled on some reruns of the first se- season of NCIS and like Mark Harmon looks so young. And McGee is so squishy faced. Polly Perrette looks exactly the same. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow, but yeah. Yeah, like, I don't believe NCIS has actually been cancelled yet. Like, it's it's gonna be going into season 15, and yeah. Like, NCIS New Orleans apparently survived for more than a season? How? Oh, it still it still hasn't been cancelled. I don't, yeah, so, like, this formula is... It's solid. It works for them. And, yeah. Yeah. It's really good, like, terrible comfort viewing. Like, my grandmother watches all of the NCISs. She likes it better than Law and Order. She finds Law and Order a bit too much. Fair. Whereas, like, Criminal Light Minds is really kind of, I think, a bit too much in terms of the way it portrays brutality. Mm-hmm. NCIS, I think, is kind of like 
the lighter version of that, which makes it super easy to mindlessly consume episode after episode. Mm-hmm. But once again, I am not sure why there is an NCIS New Orleans, and I'm not sure why Scott Bakula is the head of it. Well, he's got to do something, Kaylee. <laughs> I don't know why Chris does O'Donnell... He, does he know? I don't think he has to do anything. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why Chris O'Donnell is still csi in Los Angeles, but here we are. You know, like, someone's got a dependence for Batman and Robin. Remember when, like, the late 90s, early 2000s tried to make Chris O'Donnell thing? Imagine if he was one of the Chris's now. Yeah, well, I was talking to somebody <laughs> the other day who was like, I was thinking about the Chris list, and I realized that Chris O'Donnell isn't on it. And I'm like, yeah, it's because he's busy doing a CSI and literally nothing else. He might have been a Chris once, but he is no longer a Chris. He was. A, he's kind of a, a proto, a you are a Chris. Like, he's a Chris before Chris's were a thing. He paved the way for the Chris's of today. <laughs> I was um, I, I was bored one night and I was browsing, uh, you know, George Magazine, which was the magazine that JFK Jr. ran. Oh, yeah. uh, and there was a issue and it was like the political sex symbols. And then it was Tobey Maguire, Chris O'Donnell. And I was like, oh, 1998. <laughs> you so 1998. Yeah. I want every issue of that magazine, by the way. It looks terrible, but I want to read everything. You were tweeting the covers, and I was just, wow. I just want a gallery of this. I want all of these on my wall. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can find your tweets and link them in the show notes. Yeah. It I just want to know how much further they could have taken that that concept of, let's get a glamorous celebrity and then photograph them as like a, a political figure from history. Like, yeah, sure, let's get Barbara Streisand as Betsy Ross. Yeah, sure, let's have Cindy Crawford as George Washington. Like, how much further could you have taken this? Good times. Yeah. Bring back that magazine, or at least digitalize it so I can read it all. <sighs> so, shall we transition into our other roundtable discussion? Yeah. So, Alina, what is the show you want to talk about? So the roundtable is there's, you know, shows we love that don't get the awards love, but I think quality wise really deserve it. And I just kind of wish more people were watching it. And this year I discovered The Expanse. Season two wrapped up earlier this year. So it's fully available now on streaming services. I know in Canada for sure. So I'm assuming the same is true, at least in the US, if not all around the world. The Expanse is a sci-fi drama set about 400 years in the future. So we're not, you know, traveling the galaxy like Star Trek. This is uh, confined to the solar system where it's a political drama, really, uh, where the political tensions exist between Earth, Mars, which is now its own government, and the asteroid colonies, which are really subservient to both of the uh, Earth and Mars big powers and are struggling Mm -hmm. for independence. It's based on a very long-running series of books, and it's just, it was so engrossing. My husband and I just marathoned through the season one and went straight on to season two. We couldn't put it down, so to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> couldn't turn it off. Uh, yeah, it's just really, really good. Uh, let me pull up some of the actors you might recognize or not. So who anybody who is like me has a really soft spot for a Disney film called Sky High. But Stephen Strait, who was in that movie, is one of the lead actors of this one. 
probably the most recognizable name for me was Shoria um, Agdashlu. I probably mispronounced her her last name. Uh, she she plays a high ranking Earth official in this one. Was she the one who was nominated for an Oscar for the House of Fog and Sand? Yes, with Kingsley. Sand and yes. Fog, yeah. Sand and Fog. Yes. Never getting that neuron back, but it was useful <laughs> for just a minute. Yes. She's great in this. It, it's it really does present a future world. And, and they kind of took the lead from the book on this, where the current ethnic and racial and cultural divides no longer exist. Uh, they've been replaced by, by brand new ones. So it's a, a very um, multiracial cast, which is just really nice. Uh, the book also created a whole new language for the asteroid people, where um, it's it's a creole of various Earth languages, just because they had to. But it also um, uses a lot of almost its own sign language because these were people who had to work in spacesuits a lot. Mm -hmm. So gestures became a lot more important than verbal communication. So it has a really rich, deep, developed uh, culture, space culture. Mm -hmm. So yeah, highly recommended. Really think this is a show that deserves more, um, just more viewers, more critical recognition, more people talking about it and watching it. And now's the time to catch up. Uh, Kaylee, do you have any shows that you would like to recommend uh, sure um so i was looking at all the stuff that didn't get nominated for emmys and things that i knew wouldn't get nominated and things that i thought maybe had a chance so like i, I thought fleabag might get in i thought catastrophe might get in the one i was wasn't surprised to see omitted but wish had gotten in is search party which is a tbs show starring alia shawcat and it's part satire of millennial angst and part missing person noir Mm -hmm. uh, it's about this dissatisfied 20-something living in Brooklyn as they all seem to be who becomes obsessed with this uh, missing persons case of this woman who she vaguely knew at university and only talked to a couple times um, but who has mis gone missing under mysterious circumstances and she decides that she's going to to play amateur detective and try and find her which sounds like a really insufferable setup but it's a much more deftly handled show than that mm -hmm. I tend to be very allergic to shows that are described as being about my generation especially when it's about like it's about the millennials because it's usually going to be oh look at those silly millennials with their snapchats and their entitlement and their desire to get paid for jobs who do they think they are mm -hmm. uh, and the show does certainly mock some of the the kind of self-absorbed nature a lot of our generation has like there's one character who really wants to do nice work for charity, but what he really wants to do is send designer water bottles to Africa. But he doesn't know <laughs> whereabouts in Africa, just Africa. Um, which is yeah, very funny. Alia Shawcat's really wonderful in it. I mean, if you really liked her in Arrested Development, I think this is the first time she's had a role since then where she really gets something to do. And it does, I mean, the show actually likes these people. It mocks them and kind of is occasionally tired of their shit, but it also really likes them and shows things like what it's like to be in a relationship with someone that you, you know, when you can begin to increasingly dislike them, but you're so comfortable together that it's kind of worth sticking out. Or, you know, the, I think the quote Emily Nussbaum in the New Yorker had about the show was, the worries about your dreams getting too big when your own life is actually very small. Which is a really Aww. good summary of it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in the UK, you can watch it on the Channel 4 player. It's all 10 episodes. They're only like 20 minutes each, which is also really appealing. <laughs> 
they're not hour longs. Uh, it's also got a very satisfying ending. A lot of these shows don't, but I think it really pays off. I'm curious to see what it does in the second season, but it's actually so interesting and complete on its own that I, I would be you know, happy if it just left as it was. So that search party, it's on TBS. I don't know if they have like a player, so check it out. It doesn't look like it's available for streaming in Canada, sadly. Oh. So, Raiden, what were yours? So, I have two, and the first is I'm going to take off on the Lolo's millennials with their desires to have a job that's meaningful and talk about the bold type that just premiered on Freeform. And it's about three young women who are working at a Cosmo clone magazine. And one is an assistant with desire to be more than an assistant. One is a social media manager and one just got promoted to being a writer. And they're living in New York on their meager publication money and trying to figure out their lives and what they want to do and how they want to do it. And it's a fantastic depiction of female friendship and kind of how the publishing world sort of actually works. It could have become like a, well, what happens next in the devil wears Prada, but their Anna Wintour editor is actually supportive of her writers and wants them to do well and sort of seems kind of bitchy, but she's nudging them towards directions towards more deeper feelings and stories and all of those things. Um, One of the lead characters is assigned to write an article about her best orgasm because this is a Cosmo clone magazine and she admits that she's never had one. And there's a whole discussion of what that means and how she can, um, what she can do about that. Also, there's a Yoni egg involved and a hilarious scene in which it is stuck. Is that one of those egg things you hang from your vagina to strengthen the muscles? Yes. It gets stuck. (laughs) Like both. And Tom and Lorenzo wrote a piece about it. And apparently Lorenzo came home and Tom was like, we're going to watch this thing. And Lorenzo's like, God, must we? And within <laughs> five minutes, they were both like, we love this. So, this it's is a currently fantastic running, show. right? Currently airing. Currently running. It just premiered last week. So they aired two episodes. They, they did a double premiere. It's on free form. It's great. I'm excited to see where this goes. My other one is Forged in Fire which is on the History Channel, and it's chopped for blacksmiths. Which is still the greatest sentence I ever. Know. I know! You start off with four bladesmiths, and they have to, in three hours, forge a blade that will be put through specific tests, so they have to know what this blade is expected to do and design around that. And after the first three hours, somebody is sent home because they fucked up in some way or just weren't as awesome as the other three. 
And then they have another three hours to finish the blade and put a handle on it and everything. And then it's tested. Sometimes during the testing, the blade will shatter, which is horrible and also kind of awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And then the final two are sent home to forge within five days an iconic blade from uh, iconic weapon from history, which can be like a Scottish claymore or a rapier or the chakra Chakran, the the thing that Xena uses. Wait, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. It they don't boomerang back, but it's a real thing. It's an Indian weapon, and then they you know put it through testing. Somebody wins, and they get a check for ten thousand dollars, and they have a bladed weapons martial art expert. They have a historical weapons expert and a a bladesmith expert as the judges, and it. It is because blacksmithing is kind of a dude-heavy profession. It is pretty dude-heavy. And definitely after the first season, we're in the middle of season four right now, they made an effort to find female bladesmiths and say, hey, be on our show. But when, when people brought this up during the first season, they were like, yeah, a lot of women really weren't all that interested because it was a new show and no one really knew how this was going to work. And you didn't want to, like, publicly appear on something that was going to tank in a way that might seriously affect your business, which I think that's legit. But yeah, it's lots and lots of fun. And there's fire. There's fire, you guys. There's so much fire. And sometimes they cut up pigs and fish, and it's the hottest thing I've ever seen in my life. Wait, are the blacksmiths shirtless? Or at least... So no, looked, that's terrible. That's a uh, bad idea. You would get burned. Yes, but it would make for an excellent romance cover. And frequently does. Yeah, but these are like real people doing actual things. So they don't actually, I mean, they have medics on the floor because people get burned and cut a lot. Is there in a hurry? But yeah, no, no, no one. There have been a couple of people who have done their forging while wearing kilts. <laughs> okay, you sold me. Yeah. So I, I can hear clearly like scoffing from them. <laughs> so. I heard her roll her eyes. <laughs> we heard you. We heard you. It's fine. It's fine. So yeah, it's on History Channel. It's an actual like almost history thing as opposed to maybe Amelia Earhart didn't actually die. What about that? Like which was disproven in like half an hour. It was disproven like five minutes after they finished. So like, Wait, are we talking about that photo? Yes! Wait, was it disproven? I haven't heard the follow-up. Yeah, it was disproven. That photo was taken way earlier than when the special said it was. Aww. That's sad. So, like, I mean, I, I think we're pretty sure we know what happened. The plane went down. They might have landed an island. She's definitely dead now. <laughs> she is definitely dead by now. Yeah, we all know what happened. She got teleported to some Star Trek planet in the future, and the Voyager found her, right? Oh, we all know that. that was accurate. The documentary called Star Trek Voyager in Space told me. Yes, that's what happened. So, Kaylee, mm-hmm. you, had a, you had a thing. Yeah, yeah they've news. just announced that... Um, 
for the it's not a live action movie, but for the new version of The Lion King, Scar is going to be voiced by Hugh Jackman. Okay. Sure. Wait, it's not live action. So it's it's just like I, more CGI, but it's going to not going to be animated. You know, like but, Jungle Book live action. Well, the Jungle Book is technically live action because there is an actual human in it, but right. everything in that film except for the human is CGI. Right. So, so I'm guessing like that. Why are we? What? Why are we here? Oh wait, Donald Glover is Simba. Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. And James L. Jones is back for Mufasa. Of course, yes. I don't know that I'd watch if anybody else will Mufasa. So. I will say, for Zazu is going to be voiced by John Oliver. Okay. Like, like that's okay. pretty spot on. Yeah. That is spot on. That is correct. You know, um, I'm sure oh, they we, we also go- have our live action Aladdin. Oh, we do. But they- there aren't any Asian actors Apparently, they found the lightest skinned Desi actor they could find. <laughs> of course, they did. Yeah, All I'm right. telling you, they're just going to ask Zayn Malik to do it. Someone's going to throw a shit ton of money at him, and he'll do it. Yeah, apparently, Harry Styles can actually act, so. I hear he's pretty good in Dunkirk. Okay, so who's uh, where? Uh, do we have a link for the Aladdin? I'm looking, I, it was on Twitter. I'm looking for it. Hold on. Like, I'm a bit of a guy, Richie Defender. But he really shouldn't be directing that movie. No. Even Avan Jogia? Oh no, that's yes. an addition that wouldn't be a cat. Is that it? Yeah. I'm seeing him denying that he's been cast. Sorry, I'm not seeing him. Okay. Well, Twitter was like. This is the guy. It's unconfirmed, but this is the guy. At which point, most of Desi, most of the Desi women on Twitter that I follow were like, "Lightest Desi dude they could find ever." Okay, but it was like the quote about they're just having trouble finding Asian or Indian actors who have this, this singing ability. It's like, have you heard of the Indian film industry? Right. <laughs> May I introduce you to Bollywood? <laughs> I mean. We should probably have a Indian is not necessarily a substitution for Middle Eastern. Yeah, it's just that that's what Disney were looking for. So like they were trying to make themselves sound as, you know, well, we've looked. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, well, we we asked Catherine Bigelow and she wasn't available. So, of course, we had to hire a man to direct this. Whatever. I mean, uh, I like Guy Ritchie, but like, I mean, yeah, he's Aladdin, but he's from the streets. Like, the, 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 I guess that's why they hired Guy Ritchie. Even yeah. though I like King Arthur a lot more than most people did. Yeah. All right, so that's been our Emmy TV. Oh, we missed something though, Alina. You mentioned it. Oh yeah, and um, I, I I didn't want to interrupt Kaylee when she was speaking, uh, but she mentioned catastrophe, and this year Carrie Fisher is nominated as uh, the guest star in a comedy series. Oh, hold on, let me get there, actually. Uh, guest actress guest in actor. a comedy. actress in a comedy, yeah. And I would say that this would have been a lock for Melissa McCarthy as Sean Spicer. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, with posthumous <laughs> nominations like this, there's always, yeah. you, you know, emotional... And, and not, like, I mean, Carrie Fisher was an amazing person. She was great. Actress, so, and, yeah. So there we go. I just, yeah. I'm still gonna, I'm gonna cry every time there's an in memoriam, every time like there's a possible nomination. Like I'm still tearing up every time. Yeah, Star Wars is gonna be tough, man. Oh, yeah. But remember, 
Carrie Fisher had Harrison Ford. <laughs> and she wanted you to know it. <laughs> she tapped that. If there is a heaven, she's letting every fucking angel know. They say oh, yeah, they're hearing it, but they're not. <laughs> definitely. All right, so this has been episode 58. Eight. 58. Yeah. And um, the Emmys will be broadcast on September 17th. It is the 69th Emmy Awards. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back at you next month. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Anglofees, a Made It Fail production. You can reach us on Twitter at Anglofees. You can send an email to anglofees at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes to help other people find the show. Thank you.